are listening to the Bat Flip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Hello and welcome everybody back into the Bat Flip Podcast. This is going to be episode number 48. Wow, that's a lot of episodes at this point. Um, I'd like to bring in my co-host here, Damian. Uh, how are you doing today, Damian? I am doing all right. Just, uh, you know, trying to survive this California heat with uh, no air conditioning. It's pretty fun. Oh, yeah. My air conditioning has been going out an absolute lot, too. I've got a um, condensation pan filling up, and I've been trying to get the the drain pipe unclogged, and it's been an absolute nightmare trying to get it unclogged, and I still haven't gotten it done yet, but uh, I'm going to get it at some point. Luckily, I can can just vacuum out the water when it fills up and get, you know, at that point I can... uh, I get air conditioning again, but uh, anyways, uh, got a big time show for for you today. We're going to talk about uh, some really cool stuff that happened this week in baseball, the Field of Dreams game uh, that happened on Thursday last week. Yep. Um, we have uh, some maybe some ideas of future uh, events similar to that. We got a uh, some big uh, big division matchups, uh, you know, coming up. We got a, we had a no hitter this past week, the number eight no hitter of the season. Um, which was pretty crazy, and then we also have uh, some players of the week for you at the end of the show. So, uh, Damien, what did you think uh, the Field of Dreams game this week? That that was pretty cool, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was definitely an event that um, I think it was bigger than I even could imagine it to be. Um, not only as a baseball fan, but just as a sports fan. Uh, I think there was at least when I was looking at Twitter and. and a bunch of people that I follow and, and friends were even texting me like that. I know do not watch baseball. They were tuning into this game. Um, and I, like we were talking before the show and MLB did, you know, we, we criticized Rob Manfred and MLB a lot on this show. Um, but they actually did a fantastic job on this. Uh, this was one of the biggest games. It had really good teams. The game itself was absolutely crazy. Um, and like you, you were saying, and you'll dive a little bit into it. They pulled all the stops out. They went big time on this game. Um, and it, it, to me, it showed. Yeah, no doubt. One of the really cool things I thought about this game, obviously, you know, they took a a real famous baseball movie, um, you know, from, from the, from the nineties, I believe it's when Field of Dreams came out. It was like 89, I believe. 89. Okay. So it's, it's the, you know, late eighties, early nineties, which, you know, but it's a super famous movie. It's a classic. And, um. You know, they, they they took this and they made an event out of it. You know, they went out and, and out of a, basically a cornfield in Iowa, um, they made a stadium, and uh, it was really cool. They had the players walk in through the through the corn in the outfield uh, behind the fence. Um, you know, at the start of the game, they had uh, a pretty good crowd there. They were they put put in bleachers. Had about I think they had about eight thousand, if, if I'm not mistaken, was the, was the attendance. Um, at least that's what I read online. I don't know if that's actual attendance or not. Um, but we had, um, and they had two great teams facing off. And I think the coolest thing about it was the fact that they had such a good turnout TV wise. This was the most watched regular season baseball game in 15 years. And I believe that since the Barry Bonds, uh, home run chase for, for the record. So, um, that's really significant type of TV ratings. Um, and, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Obviously, people thought the event was going to be cool, but I think the, the promotion of it had a lot to do with that as well. Yeah, it absolutely did. And, you know, they brought as much people, you, you know, people are going to have different opinions on, on Joe Buck, but like they brought their number one team out to this game. They, It's a primetime game in the middle of the week. It had the best announcers, um, you know, the MLB can throw at it. It had two really good teams that are both, you know, contending or name value wise. I mean, you don't get any bigger in baseball than the Yankees and the White Sox have been one of the best teams and they're one of the funnest teams to watch um, throughout the year. I mean, we've talked about it, the energy they show and, and and everything they bring to the table. You know, I don't think that there was at least so far this season, there probably wasn't two better teams to kind of match up wise because you had probably the most fun team in baseball with the biggest name team in baseball and they provided a fantastic game i mean what it ended up being nine to eight and it was just a home run party pretty much yeah and i think that was the biggest thing was that they pulled out all the stops for it you know they they had 
they're they're like you said they're a team and uh you know the weeknight game on, i mean and it, and it being on network tv too you have a lot of mlb doc, or uh, mlb network weeknight games fox sports one weeknight games espn weeknight games but honestly i don't even know when there's a game on fox sports one because they never advertise it uh you know espn advertises sunday night baseball fairly well but um they don't really they they, they do advertise their weeknight games but not as well as, as Sunday night baseball. And then, you know, you look at MLB network and, you know, you're not going to really watch see that unless you're actually watching MLB network. There is a game there pretty much every night. So it's one of those things where, you know, you had the A team out, everybody was in, in you know, that, that's an intriguing game. Uh, the white Sox had their, one of their, one of their aces on the mound. <laughs> they got three aces, but they had one of them on the mound. Um, and uh, you're looking at a team that now that they're healthy might be the best team in the American league facing off against the Yankees who are in the middle of a chase for the, you know, chase for, for making the playoffs. So, uh, and, and like you said, an entertaining game, you had a, a four run ninth inning from the, from the Yankees with uh, behind home runs from Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron judge to take the lead. And then back in the bottom of the bottom of the ninth, you had the white Sox win it on a walk-off home run from Tim Anderson. And what was just an electric moment. He's an electric player. That was an electric moment. And, um, I, th- I just thought it was fantastic for the game, but um, and it begs the question: since that w- went so well, what could they maybe do in the future? As in, you know, trying to do events similar to this? Because I, I think this is a great way to build up the sport of baseball. Yeah. So one thing is that they did already announce. Uh, I believe it was actually yesterday when they c- actually confirmed it. But there will be another Field of Dreams game next year. Um, that's going to be. I forget the actual date, but it's going to be in August again. Um, it's going to be Reds versus the Cubs. Um, it's just going to be one game again. Maybe potentially down the line, they look for an actual series um, at you know at the Field of Dreams field. But we kind of were brainstorming before the you know before the show, and they had a a Fort Bragg game one time. You know, we'll talk in a little bit. They do the Little League World or Little League Classic game where they go to the the site of where the Little League World Series is being played, and they have a a Sunday night baseball game there. They've done some Australia games, some Japan games. Um, you know, maybe we were talking about maybe a Hawaii series. Um, not really, doesn't make sense to do a one game over there, but maybe they, you know, set up a three or four game series to kind of start the season. They've done that with how they did in Japan and in Australia before. Um, I mean, Hawaii would seem probably like one of the best bets if, if, if you really want to make another big time jump. I mean, that would probably be one of your biggest moves to make. Yeah, and I, if I'm not mistaken, they also had a didn't they have a London series a few years ago? Uh, possibly. I don't. I think remember. I remember them. I think I remember because they had so many home runs in that game; it was ridiculous because the field was just built small. But, anyways, either either way, um, I, I do think it's great a great way to bring baseball to new places. And you know, obviously Iowa is a, a big baseball state, anyways, being you know in the Midwest, and you know there's a lot of Cubs fans in Iowa, a lot of. Uh, Brewers fans in Iowa, a lot of Cardinals fans in Iowa, so it's not like they're too far from baseball. Uh, but it's one of those things. That, like I thought, it was really cool that you know they, they hit a home run. I think it was Jose Abreu who hit the first home run of the game, like in the first thing. It was the first home run ever hit in, in the state of Iowa, and you mm-hmm. would never sit there and think of that that like, wow, that's pretty cool. And um, you know, you, you have so many games on the East Coast, uh, like actually on the coast, you know, in the in the mid in New England and, and in the Southeast, you have games and in the upper Midwest, like Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Milwaukee. But there's not all that much in the central part of the country. You have Kansas City, but, you know, like you think about like Oklahoma, Nebraska. Nebraska hosts the College World Series. That would be a really cool place to maybe have a um, maybe have a game like the, on, on that venue at the College World Series, like the day, the day before the series starts. You have, a, you have a game, maybe the Royals can, you know, maybe one of their home games can go there or something. Like that way, you know, you don't have to travel too far. It could be a one game thing, but you could, you know, kind of expand a little bit and, and to, to reach, you know, different place. So people can go enjoy a game. You know, I think um, Hawaii would be a really cool one. Of course, you know, you're probably not reaching out to too much of a market out there, but it would be a cool one to have. There's a lot of times you've, you've had like, a, you know, the Pro Bowl for the NFL was out there for so long and, you know, kind of being a treat for the players to go out to Hawaii and stuff. Um, you know, they've had Mexico City games. Uh, they had the Puerto Rico games. Um, I, I think it'd be cool to maybe for them to, to play a, a South American game too somewhere. Uh, I know that Venezuela has a 
is, is, is such a big baseball country, but they do have a very, very, very large um, political issue and, and, you know, like a civil war going on there. So it'd be really tough to play there, but, you know, maybe somewhere else in South America, like Colombia or, you know, maybe even like a Brazil or something, you could try to expand the game there. And then obviously Europe as well. But, um, you know, I think it was really cool. I, I think it was something that um, I think that, that, that just the promotion and the ability to have two really great teams um, went so well there. And, you know, I, I, for next, well, next year's game, the Cubs and Reds, I think that's a step backwards because I think it's best when baseball shows off their – best teams their most exciting teams on, on that national stage we have a lot of games this time of year in, in baseball the way the schedule sets up where it's two pretty average teams or, or one good team and one bad team playing against each other in those primetime games like sunday night baseball or something and you know i think it would be a lot cooler because the cubs are going to be bad next year and i think it'll be a lot cooler if they had a couple of a couple of really good teams in a, in a pennant race in, in that game so um but, you know, hopefully we get more of this type of thing in the future, and uh, that would be pretty great for sure. Yeah, it absolutely would be. And let's let's use that as a little tie-in to this little league classic game that's going to happen on Sunday, um, you know, between the Indians and Angels. I believe they've done this, but this is going to be the sixth year or seventh year. Uh, I don't know exactly. They've, yeah, they've done it for at least, a, you know, at least a few years. So Yeah, I, I do. I think, I believe... I remember one year, I think Jose Fernandez was there still. Maybe I'm thinking of a different game. Um, but anyways, the, you know, this is a really cool opportunity. It helps the, the game not only you know, grow, but also it allows them to go and be with the, the Little League kids and, and kind of be a more of a role model and how cool of an opportunity that is for those teams to you know, see a major league game, interact with the players, it's not like the players are just there for, you know, the game and then they leave. Like they actually interact with these clubs, they interact with these players, um, and this is a, I, I think it's a really cool tradition that they're starting, and that, you know, the 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 little league players can actually see how these big leagues players play, basically exactly where they're playing. Obviously, the field. I mean, it would be fun if they played on the little league field, wouldn't it? Mm, I don't know if that'd be fun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it would be, but. But anyways, yeah, this would be a really cool. This this is gonna be cool too. Um, it does kind of go back to my whole thing, like you said, it's the Indians and uh, the Angels. So, yeah. I mean, the Angels have enough star power to make it work. You know, Otani playing there and stuff. But uh, that's another one that's kind of like, well, you know, it'd be a lot better if like the Yankees played the White Sox there or something. But um, you know, obviously these things are determined before the season, so they can't just pick that out. But uh, it'll be a cool event, a cool game. I'm, you know. Um, I, uh, I think that it's one that, you know, it's, it is important to, to continue to stretch that, that bridge to, to, you know, to the, to the little league baseball from, from big league baseball. You know, you've had a lot of that. That's, that's what builds the game. P- kids getting into it, kids enjoying the game and being able to have these kids, you know, watch the big leaguers, meet the big leaguers. And I think that's a really big deal. So, um, and it helps the, you know, it helps the game immensely to, to have that type of thing. So uh, I, good for good for Major League Baseball keeping that up. And, you know, like, like we talked about a minute ago, you know, I, I'd love to see more of it, you know, more more events like this, um, you know, especially, you know, maybe good teams that don't have great attendance, like like the White Sox. Uh, the Rays would be another perfect team for some of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, good team, exciting. They don't have great attendance. Uh, you know, you can take one of their home games and move it to, you know, somewhere and or a home series even for the Rays. And, uh, you know, it would be really cool to, to see. So uh, we'll see what happens with it. Um, I think it'll, um, you know, I think it's a possibility that, um, you know, this is a good way to grow the game. And, hey, you know, like we talked about earlier, props to Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred and everybody there to um, for 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 doing for doing this event and putting it on because um, it's definitely something out of the box and it was something really cool yeah absolutely um let's let's go ahead and transition over now to the no hitter that we had thrown this week um and that was by rookie left-hander i believe tyler Gil- gilbert of the arizona diamondbacks this was actually his first career start in the major league baseball and he throws a 
no hitter against the San Diego Padres. He had three walks, five Ks, threw 102 pitches. Um, the interesting thing that I really found out today when I was looking more into this is that he gave up 13 balls, hit over 90 miles an hour. Yeah, this was a <laughs> – hey, you know what? I'm not going to bash it because it was a no-hitter. Uh, and, and that's so cool. First career start, no-hitter. Um, now, it was one of the luckier no-hitters we've ever seen. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that we had a lot of hard-hit balls, um, you know, go right at people and, and everything. But – just what a cool event. What a cool thing. The Diamondbacks have had absolutely nothing to cheer about this year. I mean, they have been completely horrible. Uh, but, you know, it's um, it's very cool um, very cool to see that happen. And uh, you look at um, the fact that uh, every that, that this is a 27-year-old who's bounced around a lot. Um, you know, I, I think it's – He's not even a. He was, in fact, he was Fangraphs number forty-seven ranked prospect. So it's not even a. This guy's not really even thought about as a top, top prospect. Nothing really. And, and his hardest pitch was ninety-one miles an hour, in the game. Um, you know, obviously, it's just cool. This this is entirely possible. This ends up being one of the only. You know, one of the big events of his career. And you know, forever, as Tyler Gilbert kid's going to be able to say. You know, he threw a no-hitter in the major leagues. Um, but uh, it was also the, only the fourth time anybody's ever thrown a no-hitter in their debut as a starter. Uh, and two of them were before 1900. So, um, oh, so, sorry, it, it was only the third one, and one of them was before 1900. So um, the most recent one was in 1953. So, you know, there's something that's just never happened. I think we had one a few years ago. Uh, I don't. I think it was Ross Stripling. And it was in yeah. his debut. He took one almost to the to the end, didn't he? Or he got pulled in the middle of a no hitter. Yeah, he got, he got he got pulled. Uh, I believe it was in the sixth inning, um, or after six is when he got pulled. Um, and it, I think it was in his debut as well. But that was because they he were pitch count, but uh, well, and he had just uh, he had just come off Tommy John surgery like a year before or something, so they didn't want to stretch him or whatever. That that's the reason that they said at least. Right. Um, but the one interesting thing is that this was the first no hitter since the breakdown or the, the crackdown on sticky stuff. Um, you know, once that kind of all stopped there, the, even the threats of no hitters kind of had went away. I mean, you really hadn't seen anybody really take a, one really deep into a game. And then Tyler Gilbert, you know, comes out and throws, throws this one. And so it is pretty interesting that, you know, maybe that had, I mean, we obviously knew it had a big, impact on the game but i mean we had had what set like you said this is the eighth so we had already had seven no hitters and not one since that crackdown which was what in early june yeah yeah so it was the end of may um or the end of may started june that they had the crackdown and this article uh on the ringer was talking about it and saying that they have you know the batting average is up 12 points around the league since the crackdown so you know, you talk about it going from 236 to 248 um, since the crackdown, and I think that goes to show you that um, you know that that crackdown really did change things in a lot of places. So um, definitely interesting. Um, you know, obviously, and I, I think I do think that the Davies no hitter slash combined Cubs combined no hitter against the Dodgers was after the crackdown, but that one was you know combined no hitter. It was really weird. So it's almost hard to even count that, but um, but yeah, we also and we had we had uh, Tristan McKenzie too this week with the almost perfect game. So that was another one that was similar. So, but uh, anyways, uh, this was really cool. Um, and uh, you know, Tyler Gilbert, man, you know he'll remember this forever. You know, there's a lot of guys that their career highlight. I don't want to talk too bad about him, like he's not going to be good. He might end up being great, but you know. You had Chris Heston and Philip Humber, and yeah. you know a lot of these guys you remember for their no hitter. I mean, uh, look at the the career that Dallas Braden has pretty much made out of his no hitter that was on Mother's Day. Yeah, it's perfect game, but it's perfect yeah, game. And, and Humber was a perfect game too. But still, like a lot of these guys, you only remember them for for throwing no hitters, and uh, you know that's something. Kent Merker was the last Brave to throw a no hitter. I don't think anybody would remember him if it wasn't for the no hitter. So. 
you know, it's one of those things that, uh, hey, Tyler Gilbert's forever in the record books, and uh, that's really cool for him. Yeah, we won't be able to ever take that away from him for sure. But uh, one thing that we kind of mentioned that we wanted to do last week and kind of ran out of time, so we kind of want to hit a little bit more on it this week, is we want to start kind of talking about series of the week um, that we have, you know, we're going into this stretch run. Um, there's going to be a lot of high-profile games that mean a lot within the baseball standings. Um, you know, maybe not what head-to-head to head what they mean, but what they just mean in the general concept of the standings. Um, but so far, you know, during this week, at least we have the Yankees and the Red Sox. They're actually playing a doubleheader right now. Um, the Yankees won the first game, and I believe they're leading right now uh, to nothing in the bottom of the sixth. So if the Yankees win that game, I believe you said that they tie the Red Sox in the division. Yes, if the Yankees beat the Red Sox tonight in the second game, they will be tied in the division. Um, at um, and the Red Sox will have played two more games. The Yankees still, but they will be tied in the division. They will be, it appears, because the Rays are up seven to nothing. It would appear they would be five run, five games back of the Rays. So um, that would be a big deal. And I think they have two more games to play, maybe one, but I think it's two. So um, Yankees, Red Sox for for two more games, and um, I believe one of them is televised on ESPN tomorrow night, if I'm not mistaken, as well. So, but there'll be that's a big series right now going on. Um, like you said, the Yankees were up in game two of the doubleheader. I believe it was two to nothing last check, but it might have changed by now. So, no, uh, just, but yeah, I just looked right now. Okay, it's still two nothing in the sixth. So that you know they're they're going to the the Red Sox have one more chance in the top of the seventh because it's a mm-hmm. seven inning doubleheader game. But um, but yeah, so th- this is a big deal. Um, not only would that put the Yankees in second place and, and be the primary challenger to the Rays or tied for second. It would also put them in a tie for the second wild card spot, yeah. Um, or yeah, actually yes, second wild card spot because I think they would be like a half game behind the Oakland A's. So uh, good for uh, good for the Yankees. They've really played well since the break. We kind of figured they would, um, you know, after after having their um, you know making those big trades for you know uh, Rizzo, uh, Joey Gallo, Andrew Haney. They went out and got some guys that were playing real well at the break. So um, they're, uh, they've been they've been good since then, and um, I look for it to continue, but we'll see. It's a big series this week. Yeah, another big series that we have is, is the kind of a team you just mentioned, which is the Oakland A's who are, you know, sitting at the top of that wild card spot, but they're really close. The You know, they're tied with the um, Red Sox right now, and the Yankees are just one game back. So they'll all pretty much all be tied depending on what the, the A's do tonight. But they're facing the White Sox um, this weekend, which we've talked about how good the White Sox are so far um, this season. And actually, the White Sox are be- beating the A's, you know, five nothing right now. Um, yeah, so I think they have two more, if I believe. They have, yeah. Yes. So they play two more after tonight. Um, so it's going to be a big series for the A's, you know, by, battling for that wild card. And then not only that, but this weekend, the A's go home to play the San Francisco Giants. So they have a big kind of week right here going in, you know, first place team in the White Sox. The Giants, who record-wise are the best team in baseball right now, and the A's face them back-to-back, you know, and fighting for that wild-card spot. Yeah, the the A's, um, the A's need to at least pull a couple games out of this. This is the toughest stretch of their schedule remaining. Uh, you know, playing these two great teams. Uh, I, I really think the White Sox are the best team in the American League right now. Now that they're healthy, they they battled injuries all year. You know, to 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 a couple of their big bats and Luis Robert or Robert and uh, Eloy Jimenez. And, you know, ever since those guys got healthy, Eloy's been on fire. And uh, Luis Robert hit a home run tonight, I think. Uh, so they've been – those two guys are a big deal. And um, Tim Anderson's also a guy that's battled injury at times this year, and he's fully healthy right now. So they've gotten healthy, and um, – you know, the Whites, the, the A's need to, you know, salvage a couple games this week. I mean, they're trying to hang in there. Um, obviously, the Yankees and the Red Sox have tough games remaining. Um, you know, I don't think the Mariners are going to catch them. They're in five games behind them. Uh, so, you know, the Blue Jays are still there. Could maybe catch them if the Blue Jays get hot again. Um, so, but the, the A's are, 
they, they need to pick up at least a, a couple games the rest of this week and then, you know, go on. And I don't know what their remaining schedule looks like after this week, but these are these big, big games for them for sure. Yeah, and then one more series that we kind of just wanted to highlight this weekend, and that was the Phillies and the Padres. The Padres have been on a real slide um, lately. You know, they're 5-5 five and five over the last 10, but they've now fallen to 11 games out of that um, NL West battle. And, you know, they were a team that we thought were probably going to challenge the Dodgers for that division. I mean, nobody expected the Giants to be this good. But now they've fallen, you know, not only kind of out of the, the division race. I mean, I don't think there's a real shot that they ever – or back in that division this year, but they're only a game and a half over the Reds in the wild card spot. So they really need a you know a big series this weekend against the Phillies. But on the flip side, the Phillies are a team that you know they've now lost the division lead to the Atlanta Braves, and they're a game and a half back as of you know recording this of the Braves. You know they struggled this past week against the Dodgers, and then I don't know who they played over this weekend. They they, um, lo- they won two out of three, I believe, against the Nationals. I think okay. they won two out of three against the Nationals or okay. something like that. I, oh, it was the it was the Reds. They they lost two out of three to the Reds. Okay, so see, yeah, they, that means they've lost they yep. lost what they lost four out of six over this week compared to the Reds and the against. I the think Reds they lost the three games this past week. But either way, they had a you know a game one game lead over the Braves coming into you know a couple weeks ago, and that's flip flop to. Or they had a two-game lead over the Braves as part of last week, and that's flip-flopped to a one-and-a-half game lead for the Braves, who are leading about to, who are leading in the ninth inning right now. Uh, so, you know, it could be two games before the Phillies get started tonight. You know, and they they need to keep keep pace against the Diamondbacks for the next three games. Which, you know, if you're a Phillies fan, you would hope that they would beat the Diamondbacks. But then this weekend, the Phillies need to keep pace with the Braves, who have an easy schedule this week with the Marlins and Padres and the. I mean, with the Marlins and the uh, Orioles this weekend, and obviously you go to the NL West, the Padres have got to win some of these games because um, they have been really struggling, and they are, um, and they are, you know, they've got Tatis just came back, but he's playing outfield. You know, we were. I was going to question how healthy he was until he hit two home runs in his the, last game. In his in first the game, game he returned, yeah. Yeah, but, um, you know, how is he going to play in the outfield? But I, I'm more worried about the Padres pitching staff right now. Uh, Darvish going on the IL. Snell's been bad. Musgrove got lit up the other day. Um, you know, I, I do worry about the Padres pitching staff a little bit. Um, but we'll see what happens with them. Um, I think that they, you know, are probably still the favorite to be that wild card team. But the Reds have such an easy schedule remaining. Um, you know, they play a lot of games against the Cubs and the Pirates. So, um, you know, that's going to – that's almost like the Cubs are an automatic win right now. They've lost 12 games in a row. So, um, you know, and they're playing the Reds tonight. But um, either way, I, I look at that as – I mean, I, I'm worried about the Padres. And they got to win some of these games. Like, it's going to be tough. They got How many games they have left against L.A.? Like nine or something? Nine. Yeah, yeah, so I mean they're gonna have to win. Now, they played LA really well this year, but you know you would you you would think they'd have to win at least four four of those games, and then out of those nine, and then they got to take care of these teams that are kind of good but not great teams like the Phillies. They got to beat some of these teams. That's, that's what that's been their strong. That's been their, their their problem this year. They haven't beaten these types of teams. They've beaten the Do- they played the Dodgers really well. They played the Giants well. They have not played these middle you know kind of mid pack teams very well at all. So. so they also speaking of that. So you said they have nine against the Dodgers. They have what four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games left against the Giants. Yeah. Um, so it's a big deal for the Padres, and they're losing to the Rockies right now tonight. Be it, yeah, and, only and, in the second inning at Coors, but still. And they um, lost to them last night. Yeah. So I mean, if you're the Padres, you got to be worried. You made a lot of investments into this year's team, and you know. You've got to you got to make the playoffs. I mean, you you can't you cannot miss the playoffs. If you if you lose the division to a great Dodgers team, that's one thing. But losing the division to a Giants team that was expected to be a roughly 500 team coming into the season, and not even making the wild card again, you know, to like a Reds team or, you know, the second place NL East team is not really that far behind the Padres either. So you know the Phillies could win three in a row against the Padres this weekend to be, believe be be ahead of them. Yeah. Um, depending on how the schedule goes the next couple of days, at least tied in the loss column at, at the very least. So, um, 
you know, I think um, I look at the, I look at this as a, a, an opportunity for the for the um, you know for the for the for the Phillies to to, to really help themselves, the Reds and the Braves potentially. Cause the Padres are are a struggle right now. Yeah, and just kind of looking more into this Padres thing, you know, the the Cardinals aren't that far back even. I mean, they're even above the Phillies right now in the wild card. They went 8 and 2 over their last 10. They still have another series against uh San Diego in St. Louis for three more games. Yeah. So, the Padres, I I know the Cardinals aren't as, you know, as good of a team as they probably are playing at right now, but it just adds to this thing that the the Padres schedule to finish out the rest of the season is really, really tough. They got 19 games against the two best teams in baseball. Yeah. And that's, and that's not including games against the, you know, the Phillies who they're going to have to beat the Astros that are coming up. They got three games against the Braves plus a, plus a suspended game. That's a one run game in like the fifth inning. So yeah. And then you got the Cardinals. I mean, you're talking about all team. You're talking about what, I mean, upwards of, 20 games, 25 games that are against teams over 500. Um, so there, you know, there is actually a real possibility that the Padres, you know, especially as depleted as that pitching staff is right now, you know, losing you Darvish is now on the IL uh, Musgrove is he's been good. Snell has been hit or miss recently. He's been a little bit better than he has not, but Chris Paddock, I mean, he's not good at all. They just signed Jake Arrieta, who's yeah, been that's terrible. Not go well, he, that's uh, a they're gonna put him in AAA and hope that he finds something to help him. No, you know? he's he's starting tomorrow. Really? Yeah, uh, in Coors. That, oh gosh. Yeah, he's starting in Coors tomorrow. That's how bad they're. If, you're a, if staff you're a Padres is. fan, you hope that Jake Arrieta is pitching a spot start, then you can DFA him because that. Ooh. There, you don't want you do not want Jake Arrieta to be on your rotation on that team right now, needing a win, needing a chance to win every single day. He was abysmal with the Cubs, and uh, I mean, I, I I don't know if they see something in him that they I think maybe, they just see that. Fix, but. I just think they see that. Hey, we have a big ballpark, and maybe that yeah. also, like, we just need anybody who can throw the ball right now. Like, that's honestly what I think. I I I don't know why they haven't called it Mackenzie Gore yet um because i mean i think he'd be a better option at this point but yeah that that's interesting that's an interesting thought um you know i I think you know i don't think mckenzie gore's been that good in triple a though this year if i if i'm not mistaken i haven't haven't checked him out in a while but i would would rather take the risk on hey is mckenzie gore rather than we know jake area has been terrible in the majors he's only thrown 20 innings this year in triple a so i mean i I don't know. It's he's got a six a six ERA in AAA in twenty innings, and I think he's injured anyway. So is he injured? I think so. So, I mean, it it it's um it's one of those things that you know, I I'm definitely of the opinion that you know when you build a team, you've got to have a lot of depth. And the Padres built their team out of getting some stars, and they just don't have the depth. I mean. You look at the Dodgers, and they've been able to run out guys like like David Price that come out of you know that that had that can David Price as a spot starter. I mean, he's not great anymore, but he's okay. Uh, they've got guys you know in AAA. They got guys like like Tony Gonsolin that you know can come in as a, a kind of a sixth starter type right now. Um, and when they lose a guy like Dustin May or, or Kershaw for for a little bit of time, they got people who can start in their place. Um, you look even at some teams like like Atlanta. You know they've had guys come up all year. They've had about seven guys start a lot of games for them. You look at the you look at the Mets. They've had ravaged pitching, and they brought they brought up uh, Trevor McGill, and he's been really good. They so it, it's really been a, a case of you know depth in the pitching departments. What's going to win you a lot? And the Padres, sure they went out and they got multiple guys who have at times pitched like aces. But, you know, they also, when two of them get hurt over the course of a season or at least just wear down some, you know, your pitching staff's going to be pretty thin. I mean, they just don't have that much behind them in the way of major league ready guys who can come out and start. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I do still think the Padres make the postseason. I think there's just too much talent there, especially on the offensive side. But, hey, um, you know, they're giving teams like the Reds, um, whoever finishes second in the NL East, maybe even the Cardinals. I had no idea the Cardinals were 
had come back to the record they have right now. So they're giving these teams an opportunity right now. Yeah. How, I mean, how different would we be feeling about the Padres right now if they had actually completed the Max Scherzer deal? Um, like, I mean, I, I'd feel more confident in them making the wild card, but I still don't think they would be well, a I'm not talking to the about, Giants or Dodgers. No, not for the division, but I mean, right now we're looking at them like they signed Jake Arrieta. They're, you know, losing you Darvish. Now, if you had Max Scherzer on that, you could just be like, okay, well, at least we have, you know, we have that guy who can help save us a little bit. Um, but, you know, when they didn't do anything at the, the trade deadline, really, besides Daniel Hudson and what, Adam Frazier, you know, it would be a complete different look at the team, I think, if you would had actually pulled off a Max Scherzer or even a Jose Barrios deal. Um, just somebody yeah. that, that could come in and, and be, you know, another kind of innings guy for you. I mean, obviously, those guys are both better than innings guys, but you kind of get the point of what I'm shooting for there. Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think that, you know, they need that extra depth in the in the rotation, and they just don't have it right now, like you say. Maybe if they had added one of those guys, you'd feel better about their chances. But I mean, that is a—they have one of the toughest remaining schedules in Major League Baseball, and the teams that they're battling for that wild card spot have not tough schedules left. The Phillies have one of the easiest. The Braves have one of the easiest. The Reds have one of the easiest. I don't know yeah. about the Cardinals. I, I'd assume there's pretty easy being in that division, but um, you know, the Dodgers' schedule is not not too bad. Uh, obviously, being seven games behind the Dodgers for that number one wild card spot right now is probably, you know, they're probably not going to make that. But um, definitely, definitely very interesting look right now at um, how things are going in the uh, in the National League. And it's going to be a very, very, very interesting chase because you've got you've really got teams in each, each of the three divisions in the National League that could snag that wild card spot. So um, it's going to be an interesting look at the, through the rest of the season. Yeah, it is, and and you know we'll be sure to definitely keep you guys surprised of it all. But it's a, uh, it's definitely not what I had, you know, even expected. Maybe two weeks ago that we'd be sitting here having this conversation about. There's kind of a real possibility, even that the the Padres might not make the playoffs. Even, um, it's yeah. and that that's absolutely just wild to me. To, you know, especially as a Dodger fan, seeing this Padres team. You know, 18 times a year, you would never have even thought about that. But Yeah, and, and one more point here before we move on to um, our players of the week. You know, this past month, the the Yankees made up nine games on the Red Sox. So we've got over a month left in the season. Think about that, and then think of what could maybe happen outside of that. I mean, you've got the, the Padres are 11 games behind the, the Giants. That might be insurmountable, but seven games behind the Dodgers. I don't know if that's completely insurmountable. They got a lot of games left against them. You know, the Dodgers, I don't think you're going to lose that many games, but you never know. Um, you know, you had the Phil the Braves were five games behind the Mets in the division lead uh, at the all-star break and, or at the trade deadline. And they are now three and a half games ahead of the Mets. Now that we're in, you know, like three weeks later. So, um, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, a lot of these teams are, you know, team one team going on a hot streak and another team going on a cold streak could be all it takes. And, um, you know, you start losing some games, get into a tough part of your schedule, struggle a little bit, have the bounces bounce the wrong way, and you never know when things could turn. And um, that's what makes it so interesting this time of year. And it, so pretty much any of these teams we've been discussing could, could somehow make the playoffs. So, Yeah, and just to kind of just serve sort of- for sure fill it in the yankees did beat the red sox yes. so they are now tied for that wild card spot yes that that's that's pretty remarkable a nine game differential and it um, actually as of as of looking at this right now it puts the yankees in the second wild card spot over boston yes so i believe the because of winning percentage right now but obviously you know winning percentage is gonna that's gonna flip but you know it, it's gonna not be if you have the same amount of wins or uh, the same, you know, record above 500 as the other team, then it's not going to be a case at the end. It'll be a tie, but um, thank God. It's not like last year where if you play two more games, you know, and the team, you win one more and you lose one more than they do. You make, you get the playoff spot because the other team didn't play as many games. Like it's not going to be that one of those cases this year. Thank goodness. But, um, but we'll see uh, definitely some interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, let's go ahead and jump over to our players of the week and then wrap this show up. Um, so who do you have for your hitter this week? So my hitter of the week um, is one of the key contributors. We, we had talked about uh, the fact that the Atlanta Braves had made up all these games. They're now, you know, they're two outs in the ninth. So they're about to be uh, another game above 500 uh, and, and another game ahead of the Philly, half game further ahead of the Phillies, depending on what they do tonight. But that, that, my player of the week stands to be Swanson. Um, he hadn't done too much tonight, but over the past week, he has been very, very, very good. Um, his past seven days, he has hit four home runs, kind of the big thing that stands out. Um, you know, he's hit well over 400. Um, the one thing that stood out to me when he was really struggling at the start of the year, and I was guilty of talking about how I thought he he maybe even should be sent down. Like, he was playing that bad for, for the first two months of the season. Um, it, it's been the strikeouts. And he, he had an, at one point, he had an over 30% strikeout rate. Over his last 32 plate appearances before tonight, he'd struck out one time tonight. But before tonight, over his last 32 plate appearances, he had zero strikeouts in the last week. And to me, that's a key for Dansby because he's got the batted ball profile. He hits the ball the opposite way. He hits the ball hard. He's got home run power. He hits over the fence sometimes. Um, he is a guy who, you know, if he stops striking out, he can really be good. And uh, that's the way he's been. He's a great defender at shortstop, made some good plays there. Um, he's a guy who is playing extremely well right now. He's really one of the primary reasons the Atlanta Braves um, have – turned it around to become the first place team in that division. Yeah. And you know, we talked about him earlier in this year when he was struggling. And I, I had said that we knew Dansby wasn't as bad as what he was doing and he can be an extremely streaky hitter. Um, you know, kind of what you're seeing right here, but he, he's a top 10 shortstop in baseball in my eyes, you know, when he plays up to his capabilities, maybe he wasn't doing that earlier this year, but like you said, big week for him to have zero strikeouts and 32 plate appearances. If he's able to, you know, cut his strikeouts down at all, it would make him so much of a better player um, and big time for the Braves because they need somebody to step up and kind of carry the burden offensively now that they don't have Acuna, you know, and, and, Solaire has been decent since he came over. I don't know quite how Duvall has been since he came back. Yeah, du Duvall, um, Duvall's hit a lot of home runs, but he's sub 200 hitter right now. But the big thing's been the, the infield. The, the Braves have a shot, and, and I don't know if they'll get it done because it would take a lot. But they have f all four of their infielders, first base, second base, third base, and shortstop, have hit over 23 home runs this year. They have a shot at having all four infielders hitting 30 home runs, and I don't think that's ever happened. Yeah, I don't think so, so either. Yeah, and, and Austin Riley hit another one tonight, so he's at 27, I believe. Yeah, and I was just about to mention, Riley's been, you know, he's been massive for this team this year. I mean, I don't think at the beginning of the year anybody could have seen this step for Austin Riley so far. That he had shown signs of it, but he hadn't been able to show the consistency of, of being able to keep it up, especially, you know, over a full season, let alone, or a, a month, let alone a full season, you know, so... It's good for good for Riley this year, but good for Dansby this past week to you know kind of play up to that streaky level that we know he can play at. Yeah, no doubt. So, so for uh, my my hitter this week, I went with uh, with Matt Chapman from the Oakland A's. Um, you know, thirty plate appearances. He had hit four home runs, ten runs, six RBIs, a four twenty nine average, six hundred on base. Um, a big thing for me that I looked at was that he walked thirty percent of the time this week. You're talking about a guy who has like a, a career 10% walk rate. Um, you know, walking 30% of the time is insane. A, a 600 on base this week is that's just that's absolutely insane from a guy who has a career on base of you know 332. Um, and the Oakland A's need Matt Chapman to be very very good and help carry the load offensively because they don't have a, a bunch of star players. You know, Marte is going to help them. Matt Olson's going to help them, but Matt Chapman's right there. He needs to be, you know, one of the key cogs in that lineup. And he's kind of struggled so far this year. I mean, he's only hitting 224, a 319 on base, and only a 399 slugging so far this year. Um, you know, he, you look at his, his war, it's 2.7, but that's carried a lot by his defensive numbers. Um, he's one of the best defenders in baseball. And, you know, he's not quite playing up to the level of, you know, offensive side that we know Matt Chapman to be. So I, I, a very good week for, for Matt Chapman this week. 
Yeah, and, and not only the fact that uh, all those points you said, but missing Ramon Laureano, he's got to step up. Yeah. They don't, they're not going to have him back this year, and it, and he's also ineligible for the postseason. So Matt Chapman's got to step up and play as, uh, like the player he's capable of, and um, you know he's been doing that over those past seven games. You're absolutely right about that. So, uh, but uh, moving on uh, to the pitchers, and um, we'll look at a uh, look at your pitcher first. How about that? Yeah. So my pitcher, you mentioned him a little bit earlier, and that's Tristan McKenzie. Um, you know, usually we like to try and cherry pick people who have had two start weeks. Um, a lot of his numbers are carried by what he did in one of the starts, and that was take basically a perfect game. I believe it was into the seventh, or was it through seven? It was in the heat, he hit through seven, seven and two thirds. Okay. So, yeah, seven and two thirds. Two outs in the eighth, one hit he gave up. A perfect ball this week. Um, you know, the big thing with McKenzie has always been command. If he has command, he's almost unhittable like we saw in one of those starts if he loses his command you know he's very hittable and just walks pretty much everybody on the side but this is kind of another testament to the cleveland kind of pitching regime they have or you know uh, development that they have there they are just able to find guys like this in in his 14 starts this week a k per nine of 10.24 and it was really good week on his walks under one walk per nine you know, had a 129 ERA, a 225 FIP this week. Um, and just McKenzie, like like I said, it's a big thing if with his command, and he had that command working this week and, and show the potential of what he can be. Yeah, no doubt. Just the McKenzie's a very good, very good player, uh, pitcher when he's own. And, um, he, you know, he's also young, so he, he could be a guy that in the future, you know, when, when, the, when Cleveland gets back healthy, um, Across the board, you know, with Bieber being back next year, and with, with other guys, Plesac and Savali, and some of those some of those young guys coming back and you know getting on track and being healthy, uh, they could be scary again in the future with that pitching rotation. But um, the guy that I picked this week was a uh, I, I wanted to give some love. It could have been it would have been very easy to pick Corbin Burns, who just threw a freaking masterpiece. In his his start, he only had one start, but he's also pitching tonight. And last check, had a no hitter going in the sixth inning. So um, <laughs> Corbin That's Burns might be. It's over now. Yeah, he yeah. he had he wasn't he wasn't his best outing. He had three only three strikeouts through like five innings or something. So it's not Corbin Burns' best outing. But um, the guy I went with threw a complete game shutout, and um, that is very impressive. Although it was his only start, that's Adam Wainwright. How about Adam Wainwright? He had you know complete game shutout seven strikeouts not not the most overpowering shutout but uh, he's been really good this year I, I didn't really realize how good Adam Wainwright had been he is a 3.26 ERA on the season he actually pitched today to six innings of two run ball um, but he he has a 3.26 ERA and, and his peripherals don't totally back that up but they back it up pretty well a 3.72 FIP and a 3.82 X FIP on the season. Adam Wainwright's actually been really good. You know, the Cardinals have to be excited that they brought him back this year after, you know, he, him considering retirement in the offseason. Um, but, you know, this is the best Adam Wainwright's pitched in, you know, several years. You know, you go back to really since his Achilles injury he had in 2015. Ever since then, he has not pitched at this level over a full season. Um, you know, maybe you could say last year you had a 315 ERA, but that was a super short season, small sample size. His peripherals didn't back it up at all. This year, I mean, his peripherals back it up. This is the lowest uh, FIP he's had in a season since, since 2015, which was only 28 innings. So 27, 2014 being the, the last time he did this over like a full season. So um, good for Adam Wainwright. It, it's nice to see him pitch really well. He's a fun guy. I remember he was very, very, very good on the uh, – on the broadcast in the in the playoffs last year, so um, I've been kind of pulling for him since then. And uh, you know, it's great to see him finish his career with a fantastic season that he's had this year. Yeah, did he I, did he actually announce that this would be his last he, year? I don't has, remember if he did or not. He has not announced it, but okay. I would assume it probably is. They had to basically beg him to come back this year. I, I don't know, and so. he's playing like this. You he never might, know. He yeah, might I mean, he decide. might come back for age for age forty. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, he's pitching. I'd be a little bit surprised if he does, but you know, he might he might do it. But if I he mean, does go out this year, what a year to go out on. Yeah, if he does, I mean, the way he's pitching right now, I mean, it would easily you know, he could easily turn around and and get another very good contract. He doesn't need it, but you know, 
Wainwright, like you said, he's one of the good guys. I don't think there's anybody that I've ever talked to or met that kind of hated Adam Wainwright, um, you know, in the baseball community at least. He's just been a nice, fun guy. He's kind of under the radar. He just goes about his business a lot. But like you said, when he was – he really opened my eyes with his broadcasting in the playoffs um, this year. And I thought for sure after that and the way he absolutely killed it that he was – you know, going to retire and just kind of go to that role. But it's good to see him that he came back and, and he's being, you know, really successful. And like you said, one of his best seasons since 2014, 2015, even. Um, so yeah. good for Adam Wainwright. Yeah. And he also, he also, he has the highest strikeout rate he's had in the season since 2012. Uh, outside of a 40 innings, he pitched in 2018 before injury. So uh, out of a full season, his best since since 2012 in the strikeout department, and it, it's really close to what he did in 2012. So uh, just uh, just to put this into perspective, what he's doing at age 39, very impressive. Yeah, it's absolutely insane. But uh, I think that's gonna it's gonna wrap up our show for this week. Um, we'll come back next week. We'll have a little bit more. We'll talk about you know the little league classic game, hit on some other series, um, and then see what what happens. I think that there's. Oh, what was I looking at earlier that was going to happen within this week? I totally forgot. Sorry about that. I, I had something on my mind that I was I wanted to mention. Uh, looking forward to this week, and I, I lost it. So, you got anything that you want to you want to wrap up on? Um, I don't think so. Just uh, excited to see what the next week brings us. Um, you know, these pennant chases are going to be really really interesting. Uh, definitely plan on watching not only my team but also you know the national broadcasts over the next week or two. Um, you know, when when big teams are playing, I know the uh, you know you got some some of those big series coming up. I'll definitely be paying attention to the Phillies Padres this weekend. Um, you know, the the Giants play some real big games coming up. Uh, it's going to be a very entertaining rest of the season, and um, you know we'll see what happens. I'm I'm excited, and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep you updated. We'll talk about you know kind of what happened in those those fe- featured series that we talked about this week. We'll talk about those next week and bring you some more and uh, take a look at these pennant races. And uh, middle of August, we're getting down to the nitty gritty time, and you know before long we'll be talking about the playoffs. So. Um, you know, it's a very, very fun year so far, and um, yeah, hopefully it's just going to keep going. Yeah, hopefully. Well, thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.